1: Yes, it is, and welcome back. Let's start out with uh, some fun and some good. Uh, Our friends over at the Power of Fives are doing a salute to American veterans on Saturday, November 6th. And boy, what a salute it's going to be over at the Auction Pavilion. They'll have Big and Rich. They'll have Aaron Lewis. They'll have Eddie Montgomery of Montgomery Gentry and a lot more. And right now, if you're the first caller, it's 602 Zero nine six zero. 960 We will give you two free tickets to that salute to American veterans with Big and Rich and Eddie Montgomery. Thanks to our friends at the Power of Fives who are sponsoring it. And if you are not the first caller at 602-508-0960, but the second or third or fourth or fifth or eighth caller, stay on the line and share your thoughts with me. Share your thoughts. I'd love to have them. I was just thinking about that last caller, Tony and Tempe, over the break, and she was talking about the forces uh, that we are up against. And she said they were dark spiritual forces. And um, I can understand and appreciate that perspective. I think they are also also strong and dark ideological forces. Let me let me let me give you a, a, an example, and then take it to a bigger point, if I can. And I know this is this may seem perhaps like a smallish thing, but I want you to, I I, I want I want to be um, I want to I, I want to be inferential about this. You may have heard this story, you may not have. There's a Seattle. Washington Elementary School, by the way, called Benjamin Franklin Elementary School. (laughs) Benjamin Franklin Elementary School. And it's canceling its annual pumpkin parade because it, quote unquote, marginalizes students of color who don't celebrate Halloween. Now, the first thing I thought when I read that headline was, is there a holiday that has less racial implications than Halloween. In fact, the only racial implication I knew of Halloween was the controversy over dressing up in blackface, the thing that got uh, Megyn Kelly fired, for saying as a kid she did that. And then she said she needed to be educated about it. And then she had on her show an African-American civil right activists, activist who did educate her about the history of using blackface. And she aired it full, and she appreciated it. And she got fired. She got fired. They wanted to fire her, and they fired her. Regardless of her mea culpa, regardless of her not knowing the history of blackface, regardless of her saying I'm sorry, and regardless of her giving on NBC a national historic lesson on the history of blackface that's the only racial component i ever thought of of halloween but the notion that there is a race a, a, a racial group or subgroup in america that thinks that holiday marginalizes those students means words simply just don't have meaning anymore They just don't have meaning anymore. And we're talking, by the way, about elementary school kids here who look forward to a little bit of fun this time of year. By the way, what was their last year in Seattle like? No Halloween, no school, no after school, no fun, zero fun. It should be fun to be a kid. That's normal. We are continuing to rip normalcy from children, even once they go back to school in enlightened places like Seattle. That's not even the beginning of the story, though, really, any of that, any of that. Stay with me. If you wonder, naturally, the first thing everyone I've told this story to, what what, what is the racial component to Halloween? I think it's first important to understand there's a lot of people that actually don't like Halloween for religious reasons. And it's irrespective of color. There's some people that just don't like it because of their theology. I've known this to be true of certain Christians. I've known it to be true of certain Jews. They don't think Halloween is, you know, something that they theologically agree with. I've never heard that it had a racial component. But denuded of any religious significance, I don't think most children who want to go trick-or-treating or or engage in a pumpkin contest or parade— are thinking along theological terms. And I don't think they're thinking about racial terms either, to be honest with you, until they are taught to think about racial terms. This is the whole Ibram Kendi project from Boston University. Kids must be taught at an early age about racial categorization. No, they shouldn't be. No, they should not be. My view. But I was trying to answer this question. So what, 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 what is the racial component to Halloween? So I've read a few stories on it. And what I'm seeing from this story, here's a pretty good article in the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail. The school in Seattle's Fremont neighborhood annually invites students to dress in costume and march through the school with their peers as part of its pumpkin parade. As part of its pumpkin parade, Okay, fine. However, it decided to cancel the event this year because it could be upsetting for children who can't afford a Halloween costume and that the loud noise levels and crowds are triggering to some kids. Oh, then it's that. Then it's that. It's now not racial, as was first said by Benjamin Franklin, school administrators. It's now economic and triggering to children because of noise. Triggering to children because of noise. I don't even know how to answer that one. I just don't. I don't know how to answer those who want to not only surround their children in bubble wrap but put earplugs in their ears. I don't. I don't I, I haven't I haven't the brain to wrap my head around that but i will say say something about this conflation that it's about race because poor children can't afford costumes are we now entering joe biden ter- joe biden territory where he said poor kids are just as bright as white kids where There is no more separation from the emblems or badges of underprivileged or discrimination any longer. I hate, loathe, despise race wars for the same reason and because of why I hate, loathe, And despise Nazis. I hate, loathe, and despise class wars for the same reason I hate, loathe, and despise Marxism. And the thing I have noticed for the last, let's say, maybe three or four years is that the communists, the neo-Marxists among us, are the same thing as the Nazis so far as the world has to be seen through a race and class war. The only thing that the Nazis, well, not the only thing, but the main main ideological difference between Nazism and Marxism was replacing race with class. So that, Today in America, you can just use either or or both at any given moment to suit your progressive desire and change this country. I don't know why more people weren't offended by Joe Biden saying poor kids are just as bright as white kids. And I don't know why more people weren't offended by Joe Biden saying, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. But both of those things tell you that when Joe, let's call him Uncle Joe, that's who he's aping. When Joe, Uncle Joe, uses this kind of language, this is the language of the neo-Marxist. It's also the language of the neo-Nazi. It really is. That race determines thinking, and that class and race determine advantage. There are no categories anymore that the left won't succumb to and use against modern society. But the problem is their, the problem is their pedigree. The problem is where these ideas have come from. Someone, a friend of mine, asked me today if someday we'll be sitting on our um, rocking chairs, saying, "Oh yeah, remember those COVID days." In other words, he was saying, "Will we be sitting on our rocking chairs in our in our in, in our old age, thinking about pre and post COVID, or has everything changed now?" To a permanent settling in, accepting and adoption of, well, what Chubby was singing about last summer. Are we going to twist again ever as if it were 2019? Or have the things that have changed in our lives, masks, vaccine mandates, all kinds of shaming, is it, is it going to be with us? I don't I don't obviously know the answer. Um, but I'd be curious as to yours. I'd be curious as to yours. I was the best analogy or the best comparison I was thinking of was post 9/11 changes to society. Most of which interestingly enough happened where air travel, right? Interesting It appears, it appears almost all of what we decided as a post 9 11 safety strategy is still with us. But what we also know and see, don't we, is that we are still paying exquisite attention to meaningless action, exquisite attention to meaningless detail. What do I mean by that? Well, you still have to take your shoes off when you board an airplane and unpack your computer and take your belt off. Unless, unless you pay a little bit more money and sign up for one of these programs like PreCheck or Clear. It shows you they're not serious and it shows you they're forcing you to jump through. I don't know what I don't know why they want you to do this. I don't know if it's a matter of control. I don't know if it's a matter of employment so that we can keep TSA officials and more and more fully employed. I I don't know. But the more often. We point out these meaningless rituals, the more we're shunted aside. But if you think that they go away at the snap of a finger or, judge or edict of a president, guess again. Guess again. The totalitarian impulse, the authoritarian personality runs deep runs deep among way too many Americans, way too many. And I think it's important to understand for all of you who do call in, and we've had a few today, and say, what do we do until the next election? I don't know if we can wait that long. Well, make the next election, damn it, make it count and show them. You think we're a majority in this country? Show them. Show them. Take it all over and back and fix it. Show them what freedom is. Show people what it means to be walked out of the cave and get, quote-unquote, enlightened. Notice what happens when the enlightened go back in the cave in Plato's Republic, by the way, which is what I'm referencing. Notice what happens to the people who leave the cave and experience the sunlight and go back to talk about their former fellow cave dwellers. The cave dwellers think they're nuts. They're crazy. But once in a while, you get someone that'll turn his head around and say, yeah, I'm tired of these chains, too. I'm tired of these chains, too. Maybe we need a new motto here. Maybe we need a new model. Workers of America, unite. Throw off your chains. You have nothing to lose but tyranny. Doug is in Maricopa. Hi, Doug.
2: How the heck are you, Seth?
1: Sir, what can I tell you? I'm feeling really well. I had a really good exercise workout today i um, i am i 'm I'm, I'm doing great and i 'm living in a country that is not
2: that is true i I tell you this uh, what a beautiful time of the year to go biking it is stellar it allows you to have a little bit of time uh, away from
1: it all i 'm curious um, to, to know if the mayor's know in Phoenix and Scottsdale, have reopened the water fountains. No, I'm really curious. Um, if anyone can tell me, I'd yeah, love to know. Yeah. I'd love anyway, to know yes, you... sir, go ahead.
2: Yeah. Well, listen, I, I I just wanted to challenge um, what was said earlier, a couple of your callers, and, it, and it's been my theme since the election. Because uh, back right after the election, one of your frequent guests, who I just admire all the heck, you know, intellectual, highly successful, just probably the dearest person, said something that just horrified me, and I haven't talked much about philosophy since, because I now view what was said as the big problem in the slow slide to socialism. And it was said, basically, that, uh, you know, of Donald Trump's uh, loss of the election is... Well, maybe at least now things will go back to norm. And then it was, he stopped because he didn't quite say. Going oh, who back was to norm. it? Who was it who said that? Oh, I no, I won't say because they're dear people. Okay, uh, but the whole point was I, I say that. Oh, I missed what you said. I, was... I
1: apologize, Doug. I thought you said a guest on this show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, I'm... he's a guest on your show. Oh, all he is? The time. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. No, no.
2: It, and, and believe me, I agree with. All right, all right. Let's make. The, all right, nine nine. all right.
1: Fair enough. All right. We okay. Won't, okay. Go ahead.
2: But but no no we won't go there. Okay. But the whole point is that is the propensity of our side. Is, and, and I heard it again with that wonderful gentleman talking about Al Franklin, that he was a little bit more reasonable, the reasonable Democrat. And then with that wonderful lady, that absolutely just dear lady talking about, you know, quoting the Bible. Tony, and, yeah, Tony I and Tempe. More,
1: let, me, let me hit the yes. break, Doug, real quick, and we'll come back to you. Is that okay? Okay. You're okay you with that? Oh, absolutely. I appreciate yes. it. You got the time... We've got the air six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back. This was my uh, first Sinatra album, first one I bought with my own money, age eleven maybe, and then I used it as a trumpet warm-up. That song, T- Doug and Maricopa. Thank you for waiting. I I appreciate you.
2: Oh, absolutely. And and when I say this, uh, when I talk about uh, this coming ahead, please don't think I have anything but the highest regard for these guests because they're probably the perfect conservative, uh, the perfect Christian and leave outstanding stellar lives. I'm merely talking about our technique to have success in defeating the slow slide into socialism. It's no longer slow, but... um, when he's talking about normal or more reasonable Democrats, I would like to cite that we have a history of a 40 years of failure by dealing with, by that very talk, oh, he's a very reasonable Democrat. It was these under these reasonable Democrats that the bureaucratic state began to grow for the last 40 years by 40, 60, and 100,000 pages of regulations where the epa went from regulating the waterways of major rivers and in a few decades later they're regulating puddles on a farm that has water in it for more than two weeks after a snow melt it has expanded its power and moved ourselves towards uh, towards this socialism and in what we're seeing is just a lot of hollering and screaming but believe me, the bureaucratic state occurred and grew in its tentacles all over Washington while we were prancing and talking sweet and dealing nice with these reasonable Democrats. And so the idea, there is no such thing as a re, the difference between a reasonable Democrat that, we're, that we want to talk sweet to and which is, you know, the normal that's us talking sweet and losing gracefully to this nice, reasonable Democrats is that they want socialism, they'll glide us into slow socialism, so slow no one cares, and they'll do it over 25 years. The leftists want us there in five years, but in the end, it's the same. And so, I, I'm just intolerant anymore of this sweetness. And if we want to quote the Bible, there was, Jesus walked in and said things that sent the Pharisees into a tither, and he walked right into the belly of the beast and threw the money tables over. Gracefully and charming, but he threw the money tables over. And so we have to start throwing some money tables over of the moneylenders, and we have to start saying, if, and by the way, if I'm wrong, I want people to show me where the Christian faith expanded in Europe instead of losing over 100 years. We lost Europe. We, you know, And I want to see prove to me I'm wrong by showing me how the bureaucratic state, state under all this normalcy contracted. It didn't. And so we have to not uh, change our values. We have to decide if as citizens... We have to change our will, our belly for the fight and realize you, you can't go up against an enemy and prance our way into it with, with the same technique that lost for the last 40 years.
1: And that technique, just so we know, is?
2: Normal sweet-talking compliance. The, the the George W. Bush where we're all sweet, I, I don't want to say anything Or, 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 or I don't know how,
1: yeah, yeah, or I mean I don't know the politics of Megyn Kelly. I think they're center-right, but that, right? Let me apologize, yes. let oh me God, do a yes. public service, let me explain yes. the history, fired. Right. And, and I mean it, it, she's it, not it, the best emblem it, of this, but that it was an example no. I was just thinking of earlier and because of the Halloween no, thing, no. but go ahead. No, but it's the same
2: thing, yeah. and, and, and this is why, it, it's, it, it, and it's done by the sweetest people. Oh my God, they're just so sweet. In other words, every bit is dangerous. If you think about, I hate going back to slavery all the time, but the great evil of slavery lasted for 50 years longer than it should have, and it wasn't because of the evangelicals, the movement, the the, the anti-slavery movement. The enemies, the people who tarred and feathered them, was yes, uh, there was some of that in the South, but ninety percent of it, it was the average folk and Christian-going person who just didn't want to. Oh, be the awful. Confederacy cited uh,
1: cited scripture too. You bet. The cornerstone yes. speech of Alexander Stevenson. What do you think that's built based on? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I, I say let's let's hold true, but let's change our technique and be willing to go nose-to-nose, and that means they are going to get pissed
1: off. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. I've signed up for it, Doug. I'm glad you have. I'm here for it. Let's go. Let's get ready to rumble. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I was thinking about, no doubt, the audio you have heard today of Joe Rogan and Sanjay Gupta, the medical chief medical correspondent at CNN. And I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just struck at what took place here. Sanjay Gupta goes on that. First of all, let me back up. Joe Rogan gets COVID and there's glee on Twitter. And, There's glee. Well, I don't know if there's glee, but it's clearly a snicker and a shame of attitude at CNN about the fact that Joe Rogan got COVID. Because he wasn't vaccinated. And it was clear, at least in one of the reporters from CNN talking about Joe Rogan acquiring COVID. That they were making fun of him. And this was kind of a big headline for a while, like, a, like two days. Joe Rogan's COVID was like a headline. And it was weird, as news goes, because the moment six days later, Rogan returned to work perfectly healthy, there was no headline. The news story was aimed to be, see, it's coming for you and it'll get you. It's never, and most of you will be fine. It's as my friend Hugh Hallman once said, holy cow, 99% of us are going to survive. I'm not saying it's a good idea to get it at all. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying that there is a bit of a homicidal fantasy. You saw it when Trump got it. You saw it when Rogan got it. You'll see it when others get it. You saw it when those radio hosts got it and passed away. With her from it, unclear. But the Washington Post did a big story on how talk radio hosts are now getting their chickens coming home to roost. And Sanjay Gupta was very apologetic And very kind to Joe Rogan when Joe Rogan pointed this all out to Gupta about how they were making fun of him for taking a horse to warmer. And Rogan made the point that there are a lot of medicines that are prescribed to animals and human beings. I don't remember his examples off the top of my head, but antibiotics and insulin come to mind. There's other things in Israel. Different doses, different issues. I get it. I get it. I get it. You don't, take, you don't want to take animal medicine. But it's not animal medicine. It's medicine. Some of it is used veterinarily and some of it is used for humans for different reasons. And you watched that video on Wednesday or the audio of it, and it looked like Gupta walked away a little bit humbled. He kept saying CNN shouldn't have said that. CNN shouldn't have said that. You got it from your doctor. No, it actually is used for humans. That night, he goes on Don Lemon's show, his his network, and it's an entirely different story. All over again, listen to Don Lemon. Listen to Don Lemon. So very important.
0: I know it's in, in large part a tongue-in-cheek interview, you know, because it's Joe Rogan. And I don't think a lot it was. You're jockeying back and forth, but he, he did say something about ivermectin that I think wasn't actually correct about cnn and lying okay ivermectin is a drug that is commonly used as a horse dewormer
1: so it is insulin not is commonly used as a medication for animals as well go on drug is used as a horse dewormer
0: i i, I think that's important and it is not approved for covid
1: correct that's right that's correct It it, it is not Not, approved for covid. Not approved by who for covid? Not approved by who? That's not the important part. The important part is that Don Lemon wants to say CNN didn't lie because ivermectin is used for horse deworming. Fine. Fine. Next time Don Lemon or Sanjay Gupta eat a carrot, I hope you tell them they're eating food meant for rabbits. And the next time you see them possibly having oatmeal for breakfast, I hope you tell them they're eating horse food. Do you realize how serious they are about this silliness? Do you realize how serious they are about this silliness? Because it's absolutely silly. So here's an interesting thing for those of you that know a little bit about ivermectin. I know very little about it, if anything. But I do know how to research. And if you research ivermectin and COVID, and by the way, let me just point out, I'm not recommending it. I'm not not recommending it. I think all of these things are between you and your doctor, which is what Sanjay Gupta said to Joe Rogan. This should be between you and your doctor. Then he races to Don Lemon to broadcast this nonsense all over again. They're not sincere. They don't mean anything that they say. When it's a concession to truth, they don't mean it. Protecting the party line is the most important thing. But I'm guessing a lot of people in this audience, I'm guessing, I don't know, not interested even in polling. I just don't, I don't, I I don't care. It's between you and your doctor. But I'm guessing a lot of people in this audience know people who aren't, shall we say, uneducated who have said they are using or have taken ivermectin. Some of them are very smart. They may or may not be doctors. They're smart, rational people. So you go to Google or whatever you want. Go, go, whatever. Tuck, tuck, go. Whatever your search engine. And you search for ivermectin and COVID. Do you get a little suspicious, just a little, when? Every single 2AT, every single response or search result, every single one toes Don Lemon's line. Every single one are these people we know who are taking it based on the prescriptions of doctors? Are 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 they just making it up? Are the doctors just making? It? Is there nothing here? Nothing to? I don't know. But do you get just a little suspicious? That's that's part and parcel of a worry when Sanjay Gupta goes on and says, well, the FDA says, you know what the FDA has also said? The FDA has said a mask is more important than a vaccine. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon, some of your day with us. We really do appreciate it. If you didn't get on today, we have a few people on hold still. Please call back tomorrow. Uh, it's our short concluding segment, and I always like—I don't ever like to give anyone short shrift. Um, so I want to give you your full opportunity to say, say your piece or ask your questions. So give us a call tomorrow. Let us know you were called in the day before, and we'll put you at the top of the list. I just want to close the loop from the beginning. When I was talking in my first couple of segments about the world needing a new definition of patriotism, which is really the old definition of patriotism, it's, it's, it's been tortured. And it obviously goes to the issue of love of country. And when we speak of love of, of country, I'll tell you where I go. I go to, I study – I read eulogies as a hobby, good eulogies, important eulogies. I just I, – I find that for a lot of reasons. We can discuss this tomorrow. Why do I? I find a lot of wisdom in eulogies. Abraham Lincoln's eulogy of Henry Clay is probably in my top three list of the best eulogies ever delivered. And I think this is a pretty good description of what patriotism really is because it doesn't take much just to say I love the country I was born here in, right? Abraham Lincoln said, Mr. Clay's predominant sentiment from first to last was a deep devotion to the cause of human liberty. A strong sympathy with the oppressed everywhere and an ardent wish for their elevation. With him, this was a primary and all controlling passion. Subsidiary to this was the conduct of his whole life. He loved his country partly because it was his own country, but mostly because it was a free country. And he burned with zeal for its advancement. Prosperity and glory, because he saw in such the advancement, prosperity, and glory of human liberty, of human right, and of human nature. He desired the prosperity of his countrymen partly because they were his countrymen, but chiefly to show the world that free men could be prosperous. Folks, let's keep that country, and let's remember this country is about the people, we the people. God bless you all. Until tomorrow, class dismissed.
0: Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He
1: was one of the most respected generals
0: in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.